You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. South Africa's road deaths, which average 14,000 every year and are among the highest in the world, have been described as a national crisis. And besides the staggering human death toll, the economic costs of fatal accidents is estimated at just under 150 billion rand annually. South Africa's 10-year road statistics from 2008, uh, during which time 135,000 people have died, uh, were uh, an indictment on the country's road safety initiatives, which were simply not working. Uh, this is why the administrative uh, adjudication of road traffic offenses Act Arto was written to change the, the ways of bad drivers. It's been partially trialled in Johannesburg and Twane for over a, a decade. And once Arto is rolled out nationally, uh, this is uh, alleged to change things. Now, it's going to come uh, at uh, something of a cost as well. Uh, it's uh, around the corner. The 1st of July is the due date uh, for Arto. But uh, the critics say uh, that uh, it's more about making money than road safety and uh, uh, will have little impact in terms of improving road safety. Uh, and uh, there is a big question mark around uh, how it will be rolled out, considering the problems and the challenges we've seen uh, where it has been trialled uh, around the country. Uh, well, to talk about this issue, it's a great pleasure to welcome Wayne Duvenage, who is the uh, CEO of the um, organisation Undoing Tax Abuse, Outer. And uh, we're also joined by Leighton Beard, who is a spokesperson for the Automobile Association of South Africa. Uh, Wayne, before we talk about Arto, which is due to go live on the 1st of July, which is just around the corner, your reaction to that judgment in the Constitutional uh, Court earlier today? Well, um, we're related. This is, uh, this is excellent for the country. This is accountability in action. This is the rule of law being applied. Uh, this is the court showing that they're independent. They will not be... Uh, bullied and uh, they do not take kindly to Jacob Zuma's conduct uh, in leading up to this this ruling. You know, he's defied the court judgments, uh, defied the court orders, and now he has to face the music. So an unsuspended uh, sentence that he goes to jail for 15 months is excellent. This is just for contempt of court. Remember, he is still facing charges on other matters, uh, the arms deal and so forth. So I think this is the start of a long period for Jacob Zuma, and this is good for the country, and we hope the world is watching, because I think this, this government now is showing that it is serious about accountability and about people who transgress the law. I think accountability and uh, the rule of law, the big winners today, as uh, we know, uh, the current administration under President Sol Ramaphosa is all about trying to rebuild the, uh, the reputation, battered reputation of the administration. These are very small victories along that road. Now, Wayne, you know the long history of Arto, and it is a long history. I think we've been talking about this for over 20 years, 1998. It was trialled back in Joburg and Chwani from 2008. Uh, just take us through the background to Arto and, and why this particular piece of legislation is being introduced. Well, I think the, the idea is, 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 is a good one. In other words, how do we tackle road safety in this country? Um, and, and, you know, the Department of Transport has undergone a decade, they called it the decade of, of, of road safety program right up until 2020, and it did nothing. Um, and trying to introduce legislation and regulations and amending those uh, is, is one way to do so. But the problem is that unless you have administration that is workable um, and, 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 and the public behind you on these schemes, uh, they tend to fail, and government has this notorious 
history of, uh, of, of saying, well, well, if we legislate, you know, everything else falls into place. We saw that on eTolls as well, and it doesn't work that way. Uh, so demerit point systems work around the world when you have good administration, when you can rely on your vehicle registry system, such as eNotice. Well, we know ours is about 50% incorrect. When you have good uh, uh, enforcement processes, uh, you can rely on your post office uh, and so forth. And that's the problem that we have here. And we've conducted workshops with uh, many stakeholders, by the way, uh, including Metro Police. And all of them believe that the scheme will fail. And yet, for some reason, the Road Traffic Infringement Agency and the Department of Transport believes that what they're doing is right and, and think that they can force this issue into place. Uh, and, and we re recall years ago, and in fact, it was as far back as 2008, that R2 was going to be rolled out around the country. Well, here we sit, you know, 12 years later, 13 years later, and they're still not ready. Uh, and the scheme is too cumbersome. Uh, it, is, it is fraught with administrative challenges and issues. Uh, and so we don't believe, uh, we believe it would be right and prudent of the government to put a hold on this and engage meaningfully with the Road Freight Association, with the AA, uh, with a number of stakeholders, uh, big cities, metros, and so forth. And they will soon find uh, that the scheme is doomed to fail. And sadly, uh, we couldn't have the Road Freight Association uh, on this panel because the head of the association uh, is suffering with COVID at the moment. And, and so his, his uh, 2IC just shows you how uh, devastating this third wave is at the moment. But Leighton, if you look at it, and unfortunately and probably deliberately, the Auto Act is not the easiest thing for the lay person to understand if you go through it. It differs completely from the Criminal Procedures Act, which is currently used to prosecute traffic offences. Just take us through an outline of how the current Auto Act actually works in practice? Uh, it's a very tough question to answer in a very short space of time. Uh, just to touch on two things. First of all, you mentioned a figure of 150 billion rand that the cost of crashes uh, costs our economy. Uh, that, that was as a result of a report that the RTNC actually published in 2015. If we extrapolate that to today's figures, we're probably looking closer around 200 billion, which is a huge amount of money. And there's certainly, as Wayne said, uh, are, are really important imperatives in dealing with road safety in South Africa. Uh, and, uh, you know, a demerit system is something the AA advocated for as far back as the 1960s. Uh, a graduated driving license scheme is something else that we think could be implemented. But yes, I mean, legislation without implementation is something that simply won't work and it won't change the behavior of drivers. And what Otto aims to do is to take um, less serious um, offences, um, uh, motoring offences, out of the hands of the courts and make it an administrative process. Uh, and there are various schedules and various offences that you can um, that you can be found, uh, you know, you, to have contravened, uh, and you will then receive an infringement notice. I think of concern for us when we go through that schedule is that many of the offences that have been listed, in our view don't promote this issue of road safety, which is the stated aim of Otto. It's to reduce the fatality numbers. And the decade of action, um, sadly, did not yield any positive results at all. And there is a huge need um, for road safety intervention in South Africa. But current Otto schedules do not promote that. In, in our view, they are geared more towards revenue collection. And I'll give you a very good example. If you drive and you are found not to be wearing your seatbelt, you get a thousand rand fine and you get one demerit point. 
But if you don't update your details with the Road Traffic Infringement Agency, you get a 3,000 Rand fine uh, and three demerit points. And that for us is incongruous. It doesn't make sense at all. So we believe that some of the provisions in the schedule of the Auto Amendment Act are not uh, geared towards road safety. Um, it's very problematic for us. I think what's equally problematic is that this date of 1 July has been reported as the date on which auto is going to be implemented. But there's just simply been no indication from either the Road Traffic Infringement Agency or the Department of Transport on exactly what is happening. At la the last time we heard anything uh, was from the Director General who said that come 1 July we will be setting up the registry and all requirements ultimately working towards the introduction of a demerit system. We don't know exactly what that means. Apparently there are going to be five phases to this, each taking up to three months, which is you know, going to take us to October next year. And to Wayne's point, we have to ask, you know, what have we been doing up to this point to get ourselves ready for the rollout of auto? And my concern, just with recent experience in dealing with having to uh, re-register my motor vehicle, uh, I had to sort out an old traffic offence that I was unaware of driving to Cape Town for a mining in Darba the one year. Uh, it was a, a speeding fine, guilty, yes, driving through a very small Karoo town. Uh, I was unaware of it. So the email or, or the registered mail didn't arrive. It was sent to an old address because I've moved several times. And here I had to deal with the bureaucracy of the machine to try and uh, get my, my vehicle license re-registered at a time during COVID where you can't just go in, you've got to book, you can't afford to take time off work. And there's scores of individuals standing outside offering to sort this out in inverted commas for a fee. The system is just so corrupt. And Wayne, uh, the, the problem, and you mentioned the administrative challenges, the problem must surely be around the inherent corruption when it comes to dealing with traffic offences and, and licensing one's vehicle. Uh, there's the official route and then there's the unofficial route. So that has to be dealt with. Well, exactly. You know, it's, it's, it, when, you, when you put these barriers in place to a free-flowing process that should be easy to administer and enforce, uh, you then open up the doors to corruption and open up the opportunities to corruption. And, and, and you can rest assured that the authorities who try and apply the law are going to seize those opportunities. We, we see it all the time. So that example that Leighton gave there, you know, we know that many people um, have tried to update their details in the, uh, in the registry, the vehicle registry, and, uh, and, and, and have provided their addresses uh, uh, so that the traffic fines can reach the, 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 the correct person or updated the new owner's details and yet nothing happens. Uh, now, how do you okay. prove that? Uh, and so you're going to get three demerit points, you're going to get a 3,000 rand fine, and now you have to go through this cumbersome process and, 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 and try and prove your innocence. Uh, it's not going to work. Uh, and then multiply this by thousands and thousands of people around the country and the small team that is supposed to adjudicate this process, it's, uh, it's on a hiding to nothing. And we actually saw this, uh, Leighton, if you look at the trials in Joburg and Tuani, they revealed that there were these enormous challenges and going through the parliamentary Hansard record at every single meeting where they sit down to discuss R2, these challenges are raised by, uh, by officials in these two local government authorities mm -hmm. saying, we're having challenges here. We're not raising the revenue to even cover administering the system. Why is this not being picked up at a national level? Why, why are these things just being swept under the carpet? Well, I think you're asking the wrong person, Michael, because both <laughs> Wayne and I have been very vocally trying to get that sorted out. Um, when, when we went into the first hard lockdown in March uh, 2020, 
um, it had a severe impact on the capacity of driving license testing centers to actually perform a function for the public. And um, it was then said at the time that the diminished capacity was as a result of the lockdown and because people had to stay at home. Um, we made the point at that, at that time that this was a long time coming and that COVID has just exacerbated the situation. Driving license testing centers and the whole system that drives that um, is not stable. It's a mess. Um, we don't think it needs to be repaired. We think it needs to be ripped out and replaced. And we have said as much. And we think that the entire system, the back end that is driving um, the renewals of licenses and, and, and discs needs to um, obviously, you know, be looked at. But we know that there's a huge problem. Um, government knows that there's a problem. Everybody who stands in a queue knows that there's a problem. Um, and amidst that problem, we are now going to be rolling out a new system um, that is reliant 100% on that system working. Um, and we have some very serious reservations whether there is capacity to deal with it, let alone the nine part-time members who are going to be part of the appeals tribunal who will have to adjudicate millions uh, of contestations of infringement notices. They're never going to get through that. Um, so the system at the stage is just not working. It doesn't have enough capacity to deal with the auto system. And again, you can't legislate yourself out of a problem that requires boots on the ground. And we are seeing that, I think, with the introduction of art. Absolutely. And when, on that point that Leighton mentions here, the, the appeal tribunal, is it actually true that under the auto scheme, you really don't have this constitutional right to be presumed innocent because you, you, you can be deemed to have committed an offence without going through the courts? Yes, and you have to go through a number of hoops uh, before you're entitled to go and defend yourself in court. Uh, that each stage costs cost you, mind you, Wayne. Sorry? Where each stage will cost you. Yes, yes, and it's a costly route, so not only cumbersome and administratively, uh, you know, uh, problematic one. You have to pay each time. You have to pay to, 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 to challenge and, and to, con to contest this matter through the tribunal process. So... Um, we believe there's a constitutional issue, and uh, we believe this is national government infringing on the rights of local government. Uh, we've seen problems in that space before. Uh, and we already see now the city of Cape Town uh, is going to defy or, or object to or not participate in R2. Now, when you start having local government exercising its rights and pulling out of a national scheme, that's the first sign of collapse. Uh, and, and fortunately, we have a... We have a, 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 a government that is not in the pockets of the ruling party down in the Western Cape who are challenging it, just as they challenged the ETAL matter and won their case, uh, whereas the ANC up in Gauteng didn't challenge ETALs and then it collapsed. So I think it's very, very important now that the Minister of Transport and the President understand that there is a way to deal with this, but it's not the way they're going about it now. Without it. It's not this autocratic uh, cumbersome administrative process. They really need to listen to society for once. They need to have the workshops with us. We need to do it properly. We attended all of those um, uh, sessions that they had, literally all of them around the country when they did the public engagement on R2. Uh, and it was a farce. It was an absolute farce. Uh, and that's not how you introduce legislation uh, and new processes. So unfortunately, this scheme is going to fail. We don't want to be in a situation where we told you so. We don't want to cross swords with government. We don't want to defy uh, our laws. We need laws that work. And we need 
to have a government that can enforce its laws so that it has a level of credibility. It doesn't have credibility when its laws fail like this. Yeah, and I'm just going through the points of record here during those various uh, parliamentary meetings as well. Some of the factors inhibiting auto revenue collection. Municipal courts done at the, the service provider to serve Section 54s. Auto offenders not brought before the court. Post office not reliable. Uh, well, no surprises there. Corruption in enforcement methods. Uh, were the rollout to go national, a right of all, all old fines might be implemented to even the playing field for all. And issues just go on. E-natus as well. All of these issues are on the public record have been raised uh, ad nauseum, Leighton, yet we have this, uh, this desire to push ahead. Uh, why, why do you think that is? What, and, and what can be done, I think, uh, is, is the more crisp question for consumers who want to be on the right side of the law, uh, but also want some kind of clarity and certainty come the 1st of July? No, that's uh, a very good question, Michael. I mean, you know, we would always advise people, obviously, obey the rules of the, of the road, um, you know, drive within the law and make sure that your slate is clean. But invariably, you know, things are going to happen and, you know, you may not stop behind the white line uh, at, a, at a stop street and you will get, a, you know, a thousand rand fine for that, which again is something for us that, uh, you know, doesn't make a lot of sense because it doesn't promote road, uh, promote road safety. Um, in terms of what needs to be done, I think we've been very clear over the last at least, you know, 20 years that there is massive education needed in the country in terms of road safety. Um, there is a huge need to double the amount of traffic law enforcers we currently have, and that's not the AA saying that. That's the Traffic Law Enforcement Review Committee set up by the previous Minister of Transport. Um, there is a huge need to professionalise traffic law enforcement in the country. We need a graded driving licence scheme in the country. Demerits is a good idea and we think it can work. It just needs to be implemented properly. There is a huge need to improve the efficiencies within the system, both from an e-natus point of view and from an interface point of view at the DLTCs. There is a lot that government needs to do. Why they're not doing those things, I can't answer. What I do know is that it is required urgently. If we don't and we don't address this problem, Otto is not going to help us reduce the fatality numbers we see annually. 13,500 to 14,000 a year, which is, uh, you know, it, it is a national crisis and we have to deal with it. Um, legislation like the zero alcohol limits is also not, in our view, going to do anything to improve that. Um, there are many other things that need to be done. It's a question of can we just draft a piece of legislation and say, hey, presto, this is going mm -hmm. to reduce fatality numbers? And the answer simply is an emphatic no. We need implementation and proper implementation. Uh, and when I think many people come the 1st of July are going to be wondering what this means for unpaid ETOL bills. Does this now mean you uh, might receive demerit points uh, for unpaid ETOL bills in Gauteng? Uh, no, I think they've, re uh, they've removed the, um, the, 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 the links to and demerit points to the uh, matter relating to ETOLs. They've tried to treat ETOLs as, uh, as, as, as ignoring a traffic sign, so to speak, because the signs are all over the freeway saying pay your Utah bills. I think they removed the demerit point, but the fines still were there when we last looked uh, in, 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 in the regulations, which again, you know, you don't pay a three rand Utah bill, but you get a, a hundred rand fine or a 200 rand fine for it. And it just, no, it's, I think it's 500 rand. So it's, um, yeah. it's quite ludicrous, uh, in, in fact. and and. I think what they'd hoped to do, this was, this was the remnants of a, a very old uh, um, attempt by the authorities to force 
uh, people to pay their retail bills was to bring uh, uh, it into the R2 legislative process so that uh, uh, people would com be compelled to pay their retail bills. But the whole retail scheme has collapsed. It's not working. It's going to pull the plug has to be pulled on that. Uh, so it's futile for them to introduce mm. e-toll and payment. When you say payment. you say the plug has to be pulled, can you just give us an indication uh, from Arta's perspective? Because that, that was really the, the, the founding project and issue uh, for the opposition to Urban Tolling Alliance before you became a broader industry body, uh, just keeping tabs on the way our tax rands are spent. What is happening uh, with e-tolls at the moment? Because it's as clear as mud uh, up here in Joburg. You know, um, Mama Bola let the cat out the bag a little while ago and asked the question, uh, you know, then he said, look, the ETOL decision has been made to scrap it. And it wasn't his, it wasn't his uh, uh, um, position to make that statement. It's the Minister of Transport or, or the President. But uh, there was something very compelling in that statement. And, um, and we're still waiting for the, for the final decision to be made. But whatever it is, They've got two options. They either continue to force e-tolls, which they've proven they cannot do. They've, put, they've, they've abandoned the court process. We had a court uh, uh, challenge with them on, on that. Um, they cannot enforce through blacklisting. They cannot enforce through enforcement orders anymore. So all of the enforcement processes have fallen away. They've got no option but to scrap the scheme. It's right down to about 15% compliance. 85% of people aren't paying. Uh, and, and, and yet they still haven't made this decision. They procrastinate for some reason or other, but we believe it's imminent. Uh, well, that just shows you why you need the public to buy into legislation to both of your points and, and Leighton, the, the last point that you made about just being able to uh, wave a magic wand, a stroke of a pen and legislate things into being. You can't do that. Uh, what interaction has the Automobile Association had with uh, the National Department of Transport uh, to uh, ensure that uh, the scheme is, is scrapped uh, and ARTO is uh, implemented once all of those other issues that we've mentioned are dealt with? Well, I mean, we obviously raised these issues, um, you know, as far as we can, uh, you know, through our, our public affairs division, um, when we do have opportunities to sit down with officials uh, from the Department of Transport, which isn't very often, mind you, I mean, uh, very few and far between, we do raise these issues. Uh, we raised the issue of ETOLs in August 2019, along with ARTA um, at the same time, uh, and our concerns with that. Um, I think that we are in discussions, um, you know, when we have the opportunity uh, raising these problems and we you know we we had an opportunity to present to the parliamentary portfolio committee on transport our reservations regarding the national road traffic amendment act and we also raised issues around auto during that presentation so i don't think that the public's view um is necessarily unknown to government uh, i think it's more a question of that we have this piece of legislation that we need to implement and we believe it's going to work but i think all indications, and even the trials in in in, in Johannesburg and Chwane, um have proven that you know the crash and fatality rates have not reduced. So um, it's a question of where do we go to from here? Um, you know, if auto is implemented, is it going to be successful? There are huge reservations about that. Um, the system, in our view, is not going to have the capacity to deal with it. Um, there's a lot of questions up in the air at the moment, Mike. And uh, Wayne, just as a concluding uh, comment from you with a couple of minutes to go, what happens on the 1st of July now? I, I think many people uh, have uh, heard 
mixed messages around the, the phasing in of R2. Some people think it's going to go ahead and demerits are going to be implemented from the 1st of July. Others are not so sure. What do you see happening from the 1st of July? I don't think anything's going to change. The public are a bit concerned because they have not been kept in the loop and the government has been very bad in communicating this. Uh, yes, we know it is going to be phased in and we do know that the demerit point system will not be applying from the 1st of July. Uh, we have a court challenge that's coming towards the end of the year. The date has been set, I think it's in October or November, uh, on the constitutionality of this and maybe that will set aside everything and court would be wise or the government would be wise to hold back until that. Uh, so don't worry about the 1st of July. If any traffic officer stops you and finds you and says, I'm going to de uh, you know, de uh, attach your demerit points and, uh, and start uh, taking away your points, that would be a lie. They cannot do that from the 1st of July. It hasn't been promulgated. It's not gazetted yet, uh, by the way, by, by the president and and the RTA have already indicated that they're not ready for the demerit point system to flow from the 1st of July. So there we have it. Uh, don't worry, folks. It does look like uh, the uh, long road of Arto is going to uh, collide uh, with uh, civil society yet again as uh, we have uh, very poorly conceived and conceptualized uh, and even drafted legislation um, colliding uh, with an inability and a lack of capacity inside uh, the machinery of the state to actually effectively implement its own legislation. Wayne Duvernay, CEO of the Organization for Undoing Tax Abuse and uh, Automobile Association spokesperson Leighton Beard with the latest on Arto and that go-live date of July 1.